0: I'm Bala from Bala Simple Chinese School. If you are a beginner, intermediate, advanced, looking for HSK study, business Chinese, or simply want to improve your everyday communication, I'm the teacher for you. Come and join me for a free trial class at Bala Simple Chinese School. Everyone, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today we'll be speaking to Marketing Director Errol Vass. Now Errol is from Alberta, Canada and is currently living in Hangzhou, China. Now Errol is currently the Marketing Director of Digital Growth Simplified. He's a certified professional in Google, Microsoft and HubSpot. Now, he handles eight-figure accounts for companies in China, USA, Canada, Australia, India, and Malaysia. And he's also been featured on tech magazines, blogs, radio shows, podcasts, and conferences. The Daily Cup of Tech lists Errol as one of today's top digital marketing professionals. And Carrara Magazine calls him a leading marketing mind in China. But before we go, please go to our website. We're at Podbean. story at Podbean.com We have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. We also have VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. At Tell Craig Your Story. Alright, here we go. This is my chat with Errol Vass on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. (laughs) hey errol how are you doing today or tonight yeah tonight great craig how are you doing i'm doing very good hello in the other city in Hangzhou. still pretty cold there right now a couple of days now
1: yeah it's starting to cool down but uh yeah i'm liking it kind of reminding me of canada a bit so yeah, home, of, of home
0: home sweet home yeah yeah <laughs> it's exactly the opposite for me from australia i want the hot so
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is the
0: area that i'm not i'm not liking uh. Uh, Thank you very, very nice much for your time, Errol. Yeah. First thing uh, I want to ask about is uh, like the COVID here in China, the lockdowns. Mm-hmm. How has it affected uh, your your business and how did you plan? How did you get through this stage? Because it's been difficult for everyone.
1: Yeah, you know what? COVID has been extremely difficult for, for everyone and to varying degrees, right? Um, for me, because what I do for work is, is marketing online marketing, e-commerce, everything is online. So COVID hasn't really affected me too much. I'm very appreciative of that. Very thankful of that. Uh, Yeah, so it's been business as usual. But uh, yeah, you can't say the same for everyone else. So I really appreciate it.
0: And for some of your businesses that you work with here in China, how did they get affected? Or was there any affected? Was it mainly all online? Yeah, well, I mean... In terms of online marketing, it's been
1: it's been steady, it's just gotten more competitive. But in terms of businesses here in China, a lot of Chinese business is exporting, right? Exporting to, to yeah. other countries. And when COVID hit, it really disrupted supply chains mm. and it really disrupted uh, logistics or so freight. So the, I know those are two big, uh, big factors that have affected a lot of Chinese companies, their supply chains and also sending goods to other countries on time. the cost of sending goods is extremely expensive now, sometimes three times the cost pre-COVID. So that's been a big, big factor for, for everyone.
0: And I guess because of the economy as well, none of the money was coming in. So now yeah. the, like, restaurants and, and shops in general have to charge excessive amounts. To sort of cover
1: their costs. Exactly right. That's actually the maybe one of the saddest things about this whole COVID is you know there's especially in China there's a lot of these little restaurants, little mom and pop shops, right? Yeah. A lot of little ones that I like to go to, and I noticed after that lockdown period in China, when things resumed normal, they weren't there anymore, you know. Uh-huh. And so that's that's one of the most heartbreaking things about COVID is. Some people, you know, they may have saved up their whole life and taken that risk. I'm going to take that risk and start this restaurant, and then, boom, you know, something like COVID hit, something you can't plan for. So that was, yeah, that's uh, that's been uh, a difficult thing for for, for those for those restaurateurs.
0: Yeah, and just for me, like I work in the education industry, and uh, when the first lockdown happened, I come back uh, at the end of 2020, and all of a sudden. Three months later uh, the school closed down because they just couldn't mm. they had so much debt and they just were trying to yeah backtrack yeah so uh, are you involved with any any of these schools like with marketing or development like that uh you know i was before so hmm. i actually i have a friend
1: who now pre-covid he had a very good business he's a a chinese friend in shanghai a very good business of bringing foreign talent over to China. Oh. And he was super busy. Business was going really well. And then, boom, COVID hit. And, you know, if you're in business, think about this. Maybe you can weather a storm for a month, yes. two months, three months. But those months kept piling up. And where are we at right now? Two or three years into this, right? Mm. And so he had to close down shop and switch careers because he just couldn't bring foreigners into China. So...
0: Right. Yeah. It, it's got mm-hmm. so restrictive now. But that's good for me, I guess. Like uh, everyone's leaving, but I've come back. <laughs> so I, I guess yeah. that's, that's kind of a good thing. So, yeah. Errol, uh, I'm always interested to ask uh, why China for you and what attracted you to, to come and live here in China? I mean, everyone's got a story about that. I know some people that, oh, yeah, I'll stay there for 12 months and then get experience and then I'll go somewhere else. Uh, mm-hmm. for, for you, uh, why did you choose China?
1: Yeah, when I was – I must have just been finishing university, so I, I would have been 23 years old, somewhere around there. I was selling some products in Canada. I had a little company with a friend, and we were importing this stuff from China. And so our factory was in China. So I, that's how my first link to China – that was my first link. And eventually I came over to visit visit the factory – And I guess it just spoke to my personality is I liked feeling like a fish out of water. It was totally different here. The experience, you know, it's almost shocking when you really, you can't speak any language and you can't read. Not many people get that. You might get that experience a little bit on a vacation, but not too many people experience that for, for real everyday life of being illiterate and not being able to speak. Right. So I just found it really interesting. I just found it fun. And so I wanted just to stay in, in China and and keep staying here. So I was doing a lot of work uh, remote from China to Canada. Eventually, I said, you know what? I want to settle down here in China. Or I should say settle down, stay more permanently. And so I ended up working here in China for, for a company. And that's kind of how I, I got my roots here.
0: Where were your factories or where were you based when you first come here? Well, the first place it was was in Qingdao. That's the
1: that's where the factory was. So I went to Qingdao. And I thought it was really cool. Have you been to Qingdao? I
0: I actually lived there before uh, Shanghai. Okay. Beautiful city. Yeah. Oh, right on.
1: Beautiful city. Right on the coast. Right. So it has yeah. it has a little beach. And it has really nice. What's that called? The International Olympic Port? Is that what it's called?
0: Yeah. Olympic. Beautiful place. Yeah. The Olympics. Yeah. You can't go there and not
1: love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't go to the, the Olympic port and not love. it It's really nice and so that's the, the first the, part of China I saw and I just was like, this is so cool and from there it was Suzhou so Suzhou which oh. is I mean super nice, right? Like, and, and, and I kind I kind of lucked out with the with the experience I kept hitting these really nice cities, right?
0: <laughs> well, well, you're following me because when I first come here I moved to Suzhou, then I moved to Qingdao oh. and now I'm in Shanghai so uh, oh, I'm, sure we've, I'm sure I'm sure we'll cross paths. Uh, somewhere. Oh, maybe, maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then from Sujo it's Hangzhou. So, I mean, you know, I've been, and Sujo and Hangzhou are considered two of the most beautiful cities here, yes. right? So, yeah, really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a good experience, and you know, I think Craig, you might be able to attest to this too. Time flies
0: out here. Oh know? yes, yeah.
1: Time just flies. So before you know it, you've been out here for a couple of years, and you're like, ooh. <laughs>
0: And that's exactly I actually uh, went back to Australia in the in the last lockdown. I was lucky one of the few to uh, leave. Uh, and I was there for Australia in Australia for three months in their winter. And it was good, great to see family, obviously, and friends, but maybe three or four weeks into it, it was like, okay, it's time to go back to Shanghai. And uh, you just get into the routine of, of being that busy lifestyle and just never yeah never being bored, always having something to do. So I just
1: hundred percent.
0: I'm, I'm hooked. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I had a feeling. How is your Chinese, by the way? Uh,
1: you know, I've, I've been here for about four and a half years, so my Chinese is okay, but nothing special. Nothing special. It's enough to get get by, kind of right. But I'm not. I'm not out, like, having any deep conversations with anyone <laughs> I'm I'm still struggling.
0: How about yourself? Indian, Indian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, only very, yeah, only very little. But all my time, uh, I'm mostly uh, English-speaking, so it's only a taxi driver. Yeah. And, and, and uh, maybe ordering food, but uh, I rarely right. – I'm learning very slowly. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, and, you but, know, Shanghai, it's such an international city. There's so much English out there, right? So, I mean –
0: Yeah. You're the best person to talk about it. Is Shanghai one of the best places to start like a business?
1: Well, I mean, Shanghai is the is I guess it's one of Beijing and Shanghai business hubs, international business hubs of China. Right. Mm. So I think in that respect, it's a it's a great place to, to start a business, especially if you're a foreigner. I think it, uh, it's much easier to start Easier in some respects to start a business in Shanghai than maybe some little cities or tier three or four, right? But um, yeah, I mean it's definitely a, a good place to, to start business and to do business. So.
0: Yeah, I, I would I would agree absolutely. All right, let's go back to uh, where it all began. So I do believe you were born in Alberta, Canada. Uh, yeah. Now, from what I know, from Alberta, Canada is uh, the wrestling. Some of the famous wrestlers <laughs> come from Alberta. Uh, oh, Alberta. yeah. <laughs> uh, is that the uh, the Calgary Stampede as well? Yeah. yeah there you yeah. go. Yeah. So,
1: Alberta, uh, the Wild West.
0: Yeah. I've never been there, uh, but I uh, went to Vancouver, <laughs> but I've never been uh, across there yet. But uh, tell us about growing up there. Uh, were your parents involved in the marketing industry? And, uh, you know, what was it like growing up there at the early stages?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, so I was, yeah, growing up in Alberta. Alberta's the, the wild west of Canada. It's kind of a, it's a, there's lots of sprawling fields. Uh, there's also some beautiful scenery, mountains. Uh, it's a great place for outdoor life, uh, and it's a great place for working as well. Alberta's, uh, Alberta, so it's a great, or a richest province in Canada, I should say. So it is a great place to work, but the lifestyle there is also equally equally nice, right? So, I mean, compared to China, much slower pace. Yes. It's a slower pace. There's less people, right? So, I mean, you, you know how that is. So, um, yeah, it's a great place to, to grow up. Um, and, yeah, my parents, my parents uh, weren't really in, in marketing. My dad's a psycho or he was a psychotherapist before he mm. retired and uh, he had his own private practice. So I guess um, I guess he did a little bit of marketing for his private practice back in the day. And my mom uh, just retired as well. She worked for the government. So not really marketing uh, for my mom or dad. Did I really get into that? But I guess in a business sense, yes, I guess maybe it picked it up for my dad a little bit. He's always kind of been pretty business savvy with his own own companies, et cetera. So, yeah. Uh-huh.
0: And, and did he have any sort of influence on you like to get into this sort of field? Or, and, or where did you sort of pick that up, like uh, getting involved with marketing? Yeah,
1: two two sources. So right when in in university I did psychology, and while I was taking my psychology degree, I also was in a lot of new new media courses, so like filming and graphics and everything. And I also took a lot of marketing courses, just because like I was, you know, you get these blurs, like these side courses that you need to take. And I was always filling mine with those. And I was kind of so I got a good kind of overall, you know, because marketing is really psychology. There's graphic, there's design, there's You know, and so um, when I was finishing up my degree, I started working for my friend's grandpa's marketing company. And so that's kind of how I got in into marketing. So I learned very uh, like old school marketing, but like the good, the the, the essentials. Right. And I, I was kind of like, you know what, this is really cool. And so I'd say my first marketing mentor, his name was Ed Yance. His name is Ed Yance. And yeah, he taught me a, a lot about marketing. Same with his uh, grandson Taylor. They both taught me quite a bit, and uh, yeah, my parents also are very were very supportive. I remember when uh, I wanted to start my own my own little company and start selling stuff. I needed an initial ev- investment, so I went to to my parents and asked them, and like right away they were like, "Great!" And so that really helped out. It was it was successful. So I guess my parents have been very very supportive in the process as well.
0: Mm, that's very interesting. And speaking of your family, I do believe you have another successful uh, sibling in your family as well. All I know is your sister's name is Erica. Tell us about Yeah, Erica. I'm
1: surprised <laughs> you really do your research. Yes, my sister Erica, she is uh, she's, she's awesome. She um, is a senior policy analyst in Canada. And she uh, is she's actually starting a new role as a as an analysis at a new company. She's just starting up here. So my sister has always been a, a big influence for me as well. I mean, she's always been like a, a grade A student, very popular. People really like, like her, and so it was always something to aspire to, I guess you could say, right? So um, I, I always grew up. Yeah, I grew up with my identity being, hey, you're Erica's brother, right? Yes.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> that that's the quote that i saw online so i just sort of jotted yeah. that down and <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, the, yeah. you're the you're the erica's brother so uh, erica's
1: brother so yeah. she, she kind of gave me a free pass free pass in life because i was always erica's brother so people were nice to me and you know i I could talk with people so
0: and what and Very what is she doing and what is she doing now
1: yeah, well, she was working for the Government of Canada as a Senior Policy Analyst, and now she's just taken another really nice offer with, I'm not, I can't remember the company name exactly, but she'll be doing policy analysis as well. So, uh, yeah, really good role, and she's really happy with where she's at in her career, and yeah, she's, I mean, Erica's always done really well for herself in anything that she does, so, I mean, there's no surprises there. So, yeah, I'm really happy for her.
0: Yeah, that's great. Oh, dumb. And wanted to ask uh too it said that you did was it a degree in arts as well
1: yeah you know bat- well bachelor of arts and sciences so uh, when you right. do a psychology degree you can do it on for science you can do it for a uh, bachelor of science or bachelor of arts so i did bachelor of arts and uh yeah i've always kind of lean to the artistic side not like drawing and stuff but musically and i mean same with you you're Mm. you're a musician and so you know craig going back to you asked me how i got started in marketing i didn't really give you the very beginning so i'll give you the very beginning when it all started so in university all i really cared about was music i was in a we had a, a band and i was playing guitar and trying to sing and um so you know you make you make music with your band, right? And that's only half the challenge. The next half is how do you get it out there? How that's do you right. get these gigs? How do you get people to listen to this stuff? And so that's where I was. I started marketing our music, right? So that's how I. So uh, my friends oh, and I started this little recording studio. We we bought this or yeah we got this Atco construction trailer and we converted it into a recording studio and. Uh, we started recording our band stuff and I started linking up with rappers in my city recording their stuff and nice. we, we started this little yeah this little collective and I started marketing people's music and getting in on shows and that's how it all began <laughs>
0: right That's really cool. Like uh, I know how I sort of did it. I was like the guy sort of putting the posters out and I also uh, was listening to one of your podcasts which we will talk about a little bit later and you were talking about, ways to market you were talking about uh steps on how to uh, market your band like when you're starting off can you just sort of give us like a bit of a breakdown on that uh what what would you say to like aspiring musicians
1: yeah sure so in that podcast episode that that you mentioned uh it is about like let's say you have a band you're a musician you want to market yourself right that's that's the the thing here so um, in that last episode, I was talking to a guy, a good friend of mine who we were in a band before, named Ben Howells. And Ben right now has a band and he's marketing it. And so some tips, some tricks that that he has is number one, if you're doing shows, you're doing uh, you're you're places, you're bringing people together. You need a way to get those to convert those live uh, event attendees to bring them into your digital funnel, right? You want them to be downloading your music to to be receiving your emails, so. A big thing that he said for bands is if you're doing shows, have a QR code on hand. That way you can scan people, get their information and put them into your email lists and you can promote your music that way. Right. So that was a, that was the big takeaway from that episode. Um, I've also done another podcast a couple of years ago about marketing for musicians. And one thing Mm -hmm. I said, and this is very important is don't try to do it all yourself. You're going to need, you're going to need someone to help you. So, Yes. If you're serious about your music, you really want to, and I mean, it depends what your goals are. Let's say you want to make it, you want to become famous or whatever, you know, um, you're going to have to try to develop a team rather than doing it all yourself. Right. So, uh, you know, you, but what you can do is come out with good content as a musician. You really want to be focusing on producing content, producing your art, right. You don't want to have to be worrying about sending emails and, Making a thousand phone calls, right? So you need to kind of focus on the infrastructure to build a team that's going to help you succeed.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, and there was a couple of things that uh, come out of that. I was interested to hear that with Facebook as well. Like uh, you do a post for for a show or for for your music, and you said that it was it was uh, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's like two or three percent of the people that are actually your friends yeah. uh, will actually mm-hmm. see it. You have to actually, yeah, fly, like boost it, uh, to like like yeah. That's Instagram a very
1: customer. good point, Craig. Yeah, that's a very good point. And maybe musicians wouldn't know this, but marketers would. So back in the day, long time ago, 2009, on Facebook, if you posted on Facebook, all your friends would see that post. So yeah. everyone, you know. So nowadays, though, if let's say you have uh, a million followers and you post. Only one or two percent of your followers are actually gonna see that post organically. Yeah, so wow, it's wow. the organic reach is extremely small. And the reason for that is Facebook makes its money from advertising spend. So they want you to pay for that visibility. They don't want to give it for free, right? So if you're a if you're anyone doing any marketing on Facebook, most social media platforms, you need to pay to play.
0: Mm-hmm. I also remember you were talking about Uh, If you're in a band, go onto Spotify or contact Spotify to get them to be put your band to be put on a playlist. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, a tactic that um, my friend
1: Ben, Ben, who he knows. So I know about marketing for like a music your career, like kind of like different stuff. But Ben really knows about like the gorilla marketing for musician Ben's really into that because that's what he does right so Ben's really about marketing for musicians I kind of have like tactics and stuff too but what Ben said is if you really want to help your band take off you need to get your songs your music onto playlists on Spotify because that's that's where how you'll really drive traffic and so um I'm not quite sure how how to do this I it would you would have to be contacting someone I don't know if it's spotify or or how but if you really want to jumpstart your music get your get your uh get your tracks on playlists on spotify
0: i've also heard that people can actually buy like followers you know they've got these companies where they can uh, have all these downloads for so is that recommended as well? Because aren't you going to get caught out in the future? Like if someone actually wants to sell something on your, you know, for a podcast, for example, is, are, is yeah, I understand experience with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, when whenever you're buying buying followers or you know buying engagement, it looks cool on the surface, right? Yes. It might look cool, but anyone who's going to sponsor you. of the time they're interested in engagement metrics so even as a marketer when I'm working with an influencer I don't care if you have a million followers I care about your engagement how many people are actually liking your posts, responding to your posts you know and it's very easy to jump on a page and see real engagement so I mean you probably jumped on an Instagram page someone has like 60,000 followers you start clicking through their photos and they'll have like 10 likes on an image you know, <laughs> what, what? Yeah, or like they'll have that's no that's... no comments and then there's just something off right so uh I, the reason why someone would do that is because it's hard to build an online reputation right and that is yes. kind of an indicator of like reputation but yeah i wouldn't recommend buying buying stuff yeah
0: and you said that uh are you currently still marketing musicians back in canada or, or is that sort of stopped well, you know what?
1: I I was marketing one band uh, three years ago, and that is my friend Ben. Um, ben and I played in a band in university, but Ben and I have kind of moved on. So yeah, we, we became friends in university. It's always been about music. And since I'm into marketing, we have began making, well, Ben's began composing soundscapes for some pretty big companies in wow. China like like Starbucks and Hennessy like yeah so that's how we're working now so we Ben and I are really good friends we, we love the music and so we've kind of just changed we've pivoted with what we're doing with the music so I'm no longer in his in his band but we're still uh still working on projects together corporate that's music that's- I guess you could say
0: that's really cool. So so let's get back to uh, your universities. Did you do degrees? Uh, so what was just your, your, you talked about your first work experience as well but uh, where did you go uh, after you finished uh, your your degrees uh, in, in, in marketing?
1: Yeah so when I finished my first degree in psychology actually psychology I, before sorry. I even yeah. graduated, I started working for my friend's family's marketing company and I learned a lot about traditional marketing. I learned a lot there, and uh, so is I worked that, there for uh,
0: about. Oh, sorry, Errol. Do you still sort of use that old school mentality? I mean, you still need that foundation, right? And then you, the modern version.
1: You you called it, yeah. You know what? The foundation is always there. It's just how you how you go about marketing changes, right? But I mean, the the foundations of marketing, have always been. You know, you you need to be honest. You need integrity, right? You there's no smoke and mirrors. There's no snake oil stuff anymore. You're not going to run some slick ads and trick people or persuade people. It's not about that, right? And so, yeah, a lot of stuff from the traditional marketing, the principles translate over into today. But a lot of the marketing stuff that I do now, um, that's I learned later from from that first marketing company. But this, the first marketing company I worked for taught me a lot about, about marketing, right? And so I was there for about three years. Yeah. And then at that point I decided, Hey, I want to go back to school and do a marketing degree. I went back to university for a little bit. And w- after two or three months, I realized I'd learned way more working at this marketing company for the last couple of years than they could teach me at, right. at the university. So I was like, you know what? I already have a, a psychology degree. You know, I don't need to really be doing another bachelor's in marketing. So I, from my from the same university so i just jumped right back into into marketing and later i did do some more uh more marketing education at the university of texas so mm. um yeah so i yeah so what was it and like so, moving,
0: moving from there to texas Even, yeah, well like you know something. i
1: actually actually that was i did that completely um completely remote though i i thought <laughs> it was supposed to be on campus stuff i was doing and so it's funny when i uh the tests are online though, so when I actually received my my uh, my uh, diploma or I don't know certificate per se, um, they were like, "Hey, come! You have to come down to the office to get it." And I was I'm like, I'm not actually there. They're kind of confused, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I I was confused too. But it, it all worked out. So yeah, getting an education in marketing is good, right? it, it is good, but you you can learn the lingo, you can learn the terminology. Terminology, but marketing is a hands on yes it's a hands-on game right so everything i've learned has been really hands-on and through experience
0: and then where did you go from there so you finished uh, that degree and then you started your own business right
1: uh well i'd actually started my own uh well before that so i was learning and that's why i was kind of interested in learning more about marketing because i had this business and i was like i what i enjoy i didn't like the accounting i didn't there's some stuff i didn't like but i really liked the marketing aspect that's what i was good at So so i said i'm gonna improve my my marketing stuff right so i was uh i was learning and then testing on my own and that's what really really helped and so that's how i i got a good good grasp of everything and it just became a passion so that's how it all yeah. all linked up and then eventually i moved to to china i was working remote so still doing the same thing but working remote and then after a while you need a work permit a work these a work permit to to like stay in china nicely right yes. to, to get an apartment so so I, after a while i was sick of living in hotels i said look let's just get a let's start a marketing career here in china and that's what i did
0: yeah and then was it difficult at the start to i mean you've already set that like you said you already had already businesses here that you were working with here in china was it hard was it difficult to set it up here in china
1: uh not really because i don't do any marketing inside china my my, mm. my chinese isn't good enough enough and the marketing atmosphere in china is way different it's ahead in some respects and it's behind in other respects in the west so most of the marketing i do was is in the west so i didn't really have to set up anything here the only time i set up here is when i started working for a company in china that's when i yeah set up in china pretty much yeah. right
0: so uh, i've just got the list here like the Salter, is that the one from canada yeah yeah
1: that's the that's the company i i, I started so And then, then
0: and then you got Mamba electric grinders, high high spec tools. So it's getting very hands on. Got to start somewhere. Yeah. So right now, was this your passion? Yeah.
1: Well, I'm a marketing director for a company out here called Diverse. Versatech owns a bunch of different brands and and companies. So, uh, so I have my hands in a a couple different different companies at the same time. So.
0: Yeah. And then when was, uh, when did you sort of start to think about doing uh, what you're currently doing at the moment, a uh, digital growth simplified? 2018. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. It's, how I got into that is, uh, I think people were just asking me questions a lot. Hey, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I was just kind of helping people. And, and then I think that's around when I was like, you know, I really love the marketing. I don't just... It's not a job for me. It's just I I'm, I really like it. I'll, I study it in my free time, you know. Like, and so that's when I said this is something that I, I really want to do. So I just start consulting for people, uh, consulting for companies. Started working uh, companies in different countries, and then yeah, it's just kind of kind of grown from there. Uh, grown uh, from uh, there, yeah.
0: You're dealing with businesses all over the all over the world. What businesses are you dealing with uh, from Australia? I'm very interested to hear about this.
1: Yeah, so I was dealing with a, a winery in Australia. You know, there's a lot of good vineyards in Australia, so I was doing some stuff there. Um, there's also this jewel company, a jewel company out in Australia that I was doing some stuff with. Yeah, so but mostly with the the wine companies. Uh, no, but I really want to. And as you know, Craig, <laughs> traveling right now is just. Like, ah, uh, right. So, I have all these travel plans that have just not manifested over the last couple of years, but they're still in the. I still, yeah, I, I won't forget them. So, Australia, I really want to go to Korea. I really want to go to. Yeah. Have you been to Korea?
0: Uh, South Korea, yes. Oh, cool. Pre, pre yeah, <laughs> everything was oh, all pre COVID. Yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, Korea, Japan, Philippines, uh, like all around uh, China. <laughs> you get some time off and you know you could just two or three hour flight this way to a fly out that way so speaking of that I live in Newcastle and the Hunter Valley is the second biggest vineyard so I'm interested to hear what can you remember what the wine company was or
1: geez I should remember the name it's called uh oh wine or no I can't remember the name of the wine company but I also did a an event in wuxi china a couple of years ago and i i brought their wines into that event so they sponsored right. the event too That's cool. i'm we're also working with another wine company right now so it's like ooh.
0: <laughs> yeah right so talking about about this new marketing uh, company so who who are the people that are coming to you i've been to your website and it, it says like uh, the s- six steps and first one is the think room is number one. Yeah. Can you sort of elaborate about that? Like, if if a band wants to come to your website, or who 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 should come? Like,
1: you know, what? it's really like anyone. It's really anyone, and sometimes even the even like the person's just starting up. That scrappy marketing can be more difficult than some of this corporate marketing, right? Yeah. So, and it can be a little can be uh, yeah. So it, it's really really anyone, and so you'll see on my website that the Think Room. Think room really is your first consultation because, because you know you might have some agencies, you might have uh, an SEO agency, and all they're they're going to be. But you can really tell someone what they need to do without without speaking with them, right? Really getting down, learning what they do, learning what what uh what resources they have, and then coming up with a, a marketing plan, right? So yeah, the first step whenever you're doing anything in marketing is to discuss, discuss with your, your client and figure out what they want to achieve and what works best, right? I mean, the, you might be able to – a tactic that works for a medium-sized company with 100 employees, 200 employees doesn't work for another company who has four employees, right? They don't have the manpower. They don't have the budget. So it really depends on, on each situation. So I never – I never make any promises or have any cookie cutter, hey, do this for anyone because the situation always changes and that's half the fun of marketing. So
0: yeah, right. And then it goes through here like hybrid office. You want to just briefly go through the the little steps here?
1: Cool. Yeah, so hybrid office is cool, and that's kind of something I did for the smaller companies. You know, um, and this is something that I needed at first when I started is you want to start an office you want people to work for you maybe you need an employer or two but it's expensive right hiring someone yes you hire someone you have to put them on salary you pay benefits uh, insurance all this stuff with hybrid office i i can get you virtual assistants virtual uh virtual workers so people who work from their computer and they can assist you and the cost can be as low as like six dollars an hour with no taxes or anything right so um that's just a, a really good way if you're a small business or a business of any size and you're looking to bring people on to do digital tasks, this really helps. So, you know, maybe you want an assistant to answer your emails or run your social media or reach out to people or fo- do phone calls, anything, right? Man. Yeah. You know, so.
0: Uh, exactly, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So it's difficult to yeah to, you can't like put out a full job thing, but if you wanted just someone to. I mean, you, it's expensive to hire someone on full time, right? But with virtual, with hybrid office, it allows you to do that, but really cheap.
0: For the future. So I, I also read that uh, you're looking at developing some apps now.
1: A lot of the, the big marketers I look up to, it seems like the, the pinnacle, the pinnacle of being a marketer is when you have your own app. So that's something yeah. I someday would like to aspire to. Right now, I don't have the time or the resources to. And I, I don't really know how I'd go about it, right? I don't have any, uh, like, app developers or anything. Ah, how people so,
0: uh, would that be to do, but
1: Yeah, you know, I have no clue. I have no <laughs> clue, but I, I know I don't have that team right now. But and I don't even know where I'd want to start, but it's just something cool to aspire to, to, to create an app. To create an app it would be it'd be a, a challenge.
0: Absolutely. Are there any musical plans in the future? Or is that career just going
1: <laughs> the music the musical dream never dies Craig. yeah that's dies. right so that's
0: right you
1: know so within within arm's reach of my desk i'm sitting out here i have two fender stratocasters ready, oh, go, come on. ready to go <laughs> at, at, at all at all times so um you know i i think music is always just something i'll i enjoy right uh, i yeah. i enjoy um i don't record any songs anymore work on any Projects, but I, I play. I still play guitar and uh, I get fulfillment out of that. So, um, you know, after a long day of work or on a weekend, you just go on YouTube, put on a backtrack, and then kind of play a noodle around. I, I like doing that. So,
0: yeah, right. And uh, besides uh, the app and music, uh, what does the future hold for Errol?
1: What does the future hold for me? You know what, Craig? I try not to look too far into the future because one thing i've noticed about my life is you know if i look at a five-year segment and compare to the next five-year segment as they they almost seem totally unrelated (laughs) like if you asked me five years before i came to china if i would ever come to china i would look at you and be like what do you you know no you know and then once (laughs) i'm in china if you asked me will you still be here after five years i would have told you like oh of course not I, I need i need to go home. here i am still right and so i don't know what the future holds i really don't know but um i i pray that it will be bright
0: <laughs> right what advice would you give to someone that wants to do what you're doing at the moment
1: um you mean in terms of career or, or living abroad
0: or yeah 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 well both really Both. well if you want to
1: live abroad um first thing i would do is you know just google get on google and start researching you know so much you can do so much and it just starts with a google search search what you want to do so if you want to live abroad start looking into it take that first step and whatever your research brings you to write that down as soon as you write it down it becomes physical it becomes something and then you can figure out your next step so take it step by step career wise um career wise what i would say is you know Uh, You just, it's cliche to say find something you enjoy because a lot of us don't know what we enjoy. But I would say give stuff a try and just show up and try, right? If you want to get into cybersecurity, get on Google and type in, I want to start a cybersecurity career. What's the first step, you know? So... For me, I knew I wanted to get into marketing and I knew, well, I need to start learning more. So I started doing education. I started practicing on my own stuff, you know. So you just need to get out there and, and try every day to do something that brings you closer to that goal. Even if it feels small, still do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good advice. Uh, Errol, tell us about uh, your social medias and where can people find you uh, and for our international listeners as well.
1: Sure. You know what? I maintain a small social media presence. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, a little bit on YouTube, but just here and there, I'll put a video up there. But LinkedIn is where you can find me best www.linkedin.com slash, I think it's slash Errol I'm not too sure you can put the link up later, but yeah, YouTube, or sorry, LinkedIn is, is where I'm at. That's my social. I also have my website, uh, arrowvass.com E R R O L. V-A-S.com. So if you have any marketing questions or you need help, just go on there and shoot me a message.
0: Uh, you've won a couple of awards as well. Award-winning marketer, hmm. what was it? Top digital marketing professional, and another, the leading marketing mind in China, Kurara Magazine, in this year, April of 2022. How do these praises, how does it make you feel?
1: It makes me feel it makes you feel great (laughs) no so yeah i mean i'm really really happy for those and it's really nice when you get get recognition for anything right so um yeah yeah, i'm very very humbled by it very appreciative
0: yeah that's an amazing achievement and was that actually was any that was in china right actually yeah leading marketing mind in china that's amazing achievement especially for a foreign person like you would understand if it was someone from a a chinese or chinese background. Mm -hmm what i noticed
1: on there was thank you i really appreciate it. what i noticed on that list was it was they were all foreigners so i think it meant like four i think it was like a it, well it is an english publication so i think they just were looking for at foreign marketers inside china type thing, right. Yeah.
0: okay all right before we go errol i'd just like to ask a couple of uh quick questions and you give me your cool. top your top two or three uh, favorite things of all time. Uh, as of today. Cool. Uh, as of today. All right. So we've talked about music. Uh, I like this. Uh, you've got your guitar. So who are your top three favorite bands of all time, or artists? Or artists.
1: Okay, I'd have to go. One would be Sublime. Um, very nice. Two, I would have to. I have to give it to the uh, Pixies. I don't know Ooh, if you know Pixies. Very nice i have oh. to give it to them <laughs> <laughs> and three i would have to give it to our boys
0: the strokes oh very nice very nice uh actually <laughs> uh the band that are, one of the bands i'm currently in at the moment we're a two-piece as well three bands three favorite bands oh from canada
1: three These favorite from canada. bands from canada mm. Ooh, i'm gonna have to uh, three favorite bands from Canada. Can I even name three? Can you name? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite band in Canada is Howls, Howells. H O W E L L S. Um, they're not they're not uh fully mainstream, but that's probably my favorite Canadian band right now. Yeah. Um, another favorite band, Canada. So how would I just give you my favorite Canadian band and that sure. would be Howells.
0: <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Tell me your uh, top two or three books uh, that you've read.
1: it was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. That's a classic. Um, another book that I really enjoyed is uh, Purple Cow by Seth Godin. And, you know, I read this book when I was really young and it gave me a really good experience and so maybe it's what's not a favorite now, but it I have to pay homage to is I read the horror, the book when I was a so I'll give it I'll give it the, the third spot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you have uh, two or three uh, <laughs> marketing mentors?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'd say I first got in. It was uh, Neil Patel uh seth
0: Godin, and my third one is brian dean and in terms of movies are your top two or three favorite movies of all time oh okay can i well i'd say my top
1: would be star wars any of them (laughs) i i really love star wars so i mean uh if i yeah, do I have to pick one, or can I just say the whole series?
0: whole series is fine by me. Yeah,
1: Star Wars, Star Wars, I love it, so that would be, like, my first. Second would be uh, Lord of the Rings. I love Lord of the Rings. Mm. Um, third favourite movies of all time. Ooh, this is a tough one. Can I give you a, a third one? Would be anything with Jeff Goldblum in it is a classic.
0: <laughs> yes, of course. What's the best advice that you've ever got?
1: The best advice I ever got was definitely from one of my first mentors, Ed Yance, at the first marketing company I worked for. And I was preparing to do a presentation to uh, our the manager of our city. And um, he came into the room and he asked my friend and I, have you guys prepared? And we hadn't really prepared prepared or we, we prepared but we didn't do a run through we didn't do a you know we didn't run through our pitch and he said Errol if you walk out into the river if you shoot yourself in the foot you can still waddle out but if you shoot yourself in the head you're done so he says if you practice if you practice even if you do a bad job you might just shoot yourself in the foot. But if you don't practice, you could shoot yourself in the head and then you you know, and then lose the whole thing. So that and I, he worded much better than what I'm wording it right now. But that really stuck with me. So it's whenever I think about, oh, should I prepare for this? Should I do a run through? I always do it because I say, if you practice, even on your worst day, you might just, you know, shoot yourself in the foot. But if you don't practice, it could be a train wreck, right? So that's a piece of advice that's really stuck with me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's great advice. Preparation. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, last one. Who is your greatest inspiration slash hero and why?
1: Great inspiration slash hero. One one that that really stuck out for me growing up was Muhammad Ali. Um, mm. I learned a lot about him and I just really liked that. I uh, was kind of stuck to his beliefs he really stuck to his beliefs, even when it came at a cost to him. Another person I really looked up to is Dave Chappelle, the comedian, because oh. he kind of did the same thing. He uh, he would not uh, bend his integrity. He uh, stayed true to himself. And even when, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his story, but they offered him $50 million for his, to do a show. And he he turned it down just to, for his own integrity. And everyone thought his career was over. So I, uh, I always respected that. And when I learned about his story, the story behind all the comedy, it's, it's just really, really inspiring. So yeah, Muhammad Ali and Dave Chappelle are two, two uh, big inspirations for, for me.
0: Yeah, that's 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 a great way to finish it. Errol, it's been great to talk to you. A truly inspiring story uh, coming from uh, Canada and worked really, really hard. You, uh, you can see that you've uh, done lots of study and uh, you're helping a lot of people, and all the best for the future, and let's catch up and have a jam, and let's have a beer as well.
1: That sounds great, Craig. I really appreciate you uh, having me on your show, and uh, I'm very impressed by the amount of research and the things you knew about me, so that's, uh, that really took me by surprise, a pleasant surprise, so very positive experience, and uh, yeah, looking forward to to catching up someday in person, and we'll have to, yeah, do a little jam, and grab a drink as well
0: all right thanks for your time again errol all
1: right thanks craig take care
0: hi i'm tony fair founder of victorian grooming company is your beard feeling dry or the skin
1: underneath itchy maybe you'd rather soften and tame your beard instead our classic collection of beard oils bombs and soaps will leave your beard looking feeling and smelling amazing
0: and if you prefer shaving, our pre-shave oils and shave soaps will give you a smooth and razor burn free shave. Handmade in Edmonton with natural ingredients,
1: visit victoriangrooming.com.